Welcome to the Pinch to Zoom podcast, the show where we zoom in on the latest tech news, products, and trends. I'm Stetson. I'm Gabe. And this is actually the first episode we're back together in the same room. Yeah. So the echo that you're hearing is actually real echo because we haven't soundproofed and you know, sound treated our room enough. We're building out the studio yeah. step by step. Slowly, eventually, I'll start adding echo back in as we're able to eliminate the echo in our room. But until then, hey, it's all real. And we have a completely full lineup of stuff. What do we have on the docket for today, Stetson? Yeah, so we're talking cameras, phones, gaming, Amazon's uh, huge tech event. They announced a ton of stuff. And then some upcoming tech events to be aware of to add to your calendar as you can schedule your lunch breaks around those. But yeah, generally just a very full newsworthy episode. We're abandoning all form and format whatsoever pretty much. No quick news. No, well, go review. We'll see if that ever comes back. Who knows? That might have disappeared into the ether. But either way, let's get started with the thing that I'm the most excited about, the GoPro Hero 9, which was announced and very quickly shipped. You know, we're used to tech products being announced, and then it's like shipping in a month, shipping in... Yeah, talk about the game consoles. Two years, shipping in whenever, you know. Crazy. And GoPro announced their new Hero 9, which is technically their 10th camera. They had a 3 Plus in there that kind of mixed up their whole naming schema but so yeah their 10th camera they've been doing this for a long time and what we saw with it was really them taking one of the big features from their competitors the osmo action which was the front facing screen so now if you're taking a selfie you can actually see yourself which is pretty great i guess you know i think that's a really excellent feature i mean you can frame your shots not only for taking selfies but if you're vlogging, if yeah. you're just composing a front-facing image, if you're wedging your GoPro in a unique spot, yeah. you don't have to check on your phone. You can just use the... Granted, it does have Wi-Fi. So uh, every time I'm like, you know, with my GoPro Hero 8, I was like, oh, I wish this had a front-facing screen. I was also like, oh, wait, I can just hook up my phone. and Yeah, but this saves that extra step. Oh, okay. Like You get into the action much faster, easier setup. True. I think it's a great value I, add. I will add that I don't, I don't necessarily love looking at it, like if it's just the numbers, I would rather look at that LCD or whatever, you know, just a regular like simple display that GoPro has had on the front for a while. Yeah. So you actually noticed this while we were out hiking yeah. uh, yesterday. You were trying to what vlog in 5K? Yeah, I was trying to vlog in 5K, 5K, you know, normal day in the park. And as soon as you start recording, it looks like GoPro, the load to the processor is too much and they can't send the video signal to the front screen. So they just switch it over to be numbers, just kind of counting up. Uh, how long you've been recording and that's i mean that's helpful but it's not really did the, the same thing happen in 4k like is this all modes no it, just... it looks like it's just 5k i bet it's also uh 1080p 240 frames a second just those like super high loads on the processor exactly just... sure yeah. but it's really this is not a big issue because most people are, aren't going to be recording in those video formats or vlogging in that yeah, mode yeah. what were the other like big features the for other big Hero things 9? i mentioned 5k uh i was kind of mentioning that's the big thing they added a new sensor that the previous versions of the gopros pretty much all used a 12 megapixel sensor now they went to 23.6 megapixels big jump big jump right exactly However, uh, you're not actually going to get that full amount when you're taking a photo. It's only 20 megapixel photos. And then, of course, 5K, 30 FPS video. You know, I, I'm a bit torn on this so far. I've been, you know, testing it out all week, using it. It seems that the images do look better. There's better dynamic range and stuff. I'm still yet to see how the nighttime photos and nighttime time lapses do, because that's where you'd usually see, you know, more noise develop on. Right, with those higher megapixel sensors. Exactly, because it's the same size sensor. But. We'll have to see that. The other thing they did add was a slightly bigger battery. I haven't really noticed it being that much better than the GoPro Hero 8 so far, but it's definitely not worse. So Sure. GoPro is also known for their hyper-smooth stabilization. Yeah. How is that on the Hero 9? It does appear a little better. I mean, they're always... It's kind of, I think, a little bit of phony advertising to you know call it a whole new generation necessarily. But yeah, it's the new hyper-smooth 3.0 they have. They also have Time Warp 3.0, so... Everything got an upgrade pretty much around the board. Uh, the one thing I will just want to note, the pricing on this camera is very interesting. It goes for $450 from like Best Buy, B&H, Amazon. But if you buy it from GoPro's website, so direct from the uh, you know company and so they don't have to panty middlemen, you can actually pick it up right now for $300. However, you have to then buy uh, $49.99, so it's going to become $50 with the one year of GoPro Plus subscription. 
Interesting. How many people do you think are going to stick with that subscription when they buy the GoPro? And you know, it's interesting because I actually really think for the average person who isn't, you know, using it for professional uses, GoPro Plus is actually a pretty good deal. It gives you 50% off any of your accessories that you want from their site. Gives you, you break it, we replace it, guarantee. And we'll also back up any of your footage, uh, full resolution to their cloud service from the camera itself. So you just put in your home Wi-Fi password or whatever. And then as soon as you plug your camera in, it'll automatically back it up. So wow. yeah, for the average person, it's a really great service. Yeah, for like five bucks a month, that's actually really good. Yeah, it's a great deal, um, you know, and they're kind of just forcing you to buy it and get into the system, which... They're hoping you'll renew and exactly. you'll, you'll have a higher lifetime value as a customer. And it will, I, honestly, it will make you more happy with the whole GoPro experience, I think. This is what they're trying to push. And yeah, give it a try. Definitely don't buy through B&H and Best Buy. I, I mean, they're great retailers, but... For this purchase, go straight to GoPro's website. Okay, my question here is, yep. who is GoPro Hero 9 for? Like, who should be upgrading to this camera? And then who should be, like, purchasing this new? I think if you're a vlogger and you have the GoPro Hero 8, this is a definite easy upgrade. I think most people, honestly, could be happy with the GoPro 8 or even the GoPro 7. They're still great cameras. But, you know, really for $350, I mean, just count it $300 and then you're getting the GoPro Plus basically, honestly, is the way the deal works. And versus I think the GoPro Hero 8 is going for about $250 or $200, maybe, maybe $225. So it's really not that much more expensive if you get this deal. And yeah, I'd, I'd give it a try. The only thing to note is it is slightly bigger actually than the Hero 8. So that is because the larger battery, obviously. Yeah, so some of the accessories the may be a little bit different. Some of the accessories, now they should still work all around the board. It's mainly that if you really want the super small size. Okay, sure. It's really basically neg negligible, the size difference. But if you want the smallest, really full-featured action camera with a screen, GoPro Hero 8 actually is the way to go. Sounds like the best one yeah. on the market right now. Let's yeah. move on. Uh, Sony actually announced the new camera, the Sony A7C. And I think to summarize here, we're looking at basically the a7 III, which is what we're both shooting on right yep. now. And they Sony lifted the record limit, so there's no 30-minute limit on this guy. It has the new flip-out screen that we saw with the ZV-1 and soon-to-be on the a7S III. Although this one does have the old UI, so you're not able to touch the interface and navigate around as you would have liked. But they also added face-detect autofocus while shooting in 4K30, and while you have an attached external monitor, which is awesome, that's one of my biggest pet peeves with the a7 III right now. There's a new IBIS system. Uh, I think I've seen mixed results on this, some better than the a7 III, some saying a little bit worse. I'd say for all intents and purposes, it's probably right on par. And the other difference is you're now getting one four thousandth of a second shutter speed as your max, as opposed to one eight thousandth on the a7 III along with a single SD card slot instead of the dual SD card slots. Still, I think these are honestly great improvements. The A7C is super compact and it's starting at just $1,800. So I think this is a really great full frame option for people looking to get into a hybrid photo and video camera. Yeah, the interesting thing is now, I think this camera is, it feels more like, you know, one of the A6600s or one of, you know, one of the A6, whatever. Like the APS-C lineup. Exactly, yeah, it, seems, smaller it ones. seems like they just took one of those cameras, put a full frame sensor in it. I will give them props that it is one of the smallest full frame cameras on the market. It is isn't technically, they've been trying to say it is, but I think actually the Sigma FP beats it It is, out. I think it is, yeah. but Sigma doesn't have autofocus. No, so. exactly. But however, I would like to compare it to the Panasonic S5, which is another super small, compact, full frame camera we've seen. And I know we've talked a while that, you know, Sony has the better autofocus. Panasonic's still kind of trying to catch up on autofocus. But Panasonic, the S5, for only $200 more, is going to give you 4K 60 FPS, a full touchscreen, dual SD card slots, and 10 bit 422 video. So it seems like Panasonic kind of put a few more pro features into that camera for only a little bit more. So if you're really not as concerned with getting the smallest full frame camera, potentially the Panasonic might be a better option. And if you're looking to really branch out into more kind of pro work uh, on, on a budget, of course. Honestly, tons of great options in the camera space for creators yeah. right now. And another one we just saw was from Canon. It's Yeah, the you're talking about the Canny Ivy Click, Canon Ivy Click 2? <laughs> well, Click I was not Plus. talking about that. Uh, but Gabe, tell me why this is the new 
pro camera we should be looking at well okay now this, this was kind of a bit of a joke but we had uh you know ripped on the what is it the canon ivy rec mini the cheese yeah in the past is like one of the worst cameras in existence this is even though it shares that ivy name it's not as bad it's uh basically it's a new instant camera that they're putting out there's one that is just simply an instant camera that you you know take a picture prints it out there's another one that you can also then connect your phone to and so you can actually transfer i think photos from the camera itself to you know your devices and print from also your phone using it as a like a connected printer so i don't know it's kind of cool it starts at 90 dollars uh for the regular one 150 dollars for the one that's connected and yeah possible to look at anyways the one you actually were talking about though is the canon c70 yeah this is a beast so none of this plastic colored stuff for kids the Canon C70 is a proper cinema level camera from Canon. And this thing is looking absolutely insane. It's looking to shoot up to 4K at 120 frames per second. It has the full frame sensor from- uh, No, it does not. Okay. Oh, is it Super 35? They're crossing it over a lot here. Basically how I would describe this camera is it's a cross between the Canon EOS R5 that we saw and the Canon EOS C300 Mark III. Now, what this camera actually is, it is the first Canon cinema camera to use RF glass, which is big because that's a lot cheaper and more compact and affordable than the EF glass, potentially. Really? Wait, I thought the RF was the new mirrorless glass that's super expensive but and it, nice. It, well, it depends on what mirror. If The idea is eventually it will be cheaper. But right now they've really only... It's just the new system that they yeah, have. Right now they've only really released high-end mirrorless lenses, it seems like. Eventually, hopefully, they'll flush it out with more affordable ones that are more compact and really use the benefits of a mirrorless camera. But yeah, so it's it's kind of their modernized cinema camera, and it's meant for people who maybe have a lot of you know cameras that use that RF glass and want to get a cinema camera, but don't want to have to spring for all the new glass uh, or use you know a ton of adapters or whatever. And yeah, it looks for $5,500, basically you're only getting 4K, so that's the one thing, but- Only 4K, but it's only still 4K. up to 120 frames per second. But at, there's a lot of videos online that are very key to see that, um, and demonstrate very clearly that resolution is not everything. So it's even true. though that this only has 4K, it has 16 plus stops of dynamic range compared to the R5, which only has 12 plus. That's going to be a lot more, you know, like visual Im it's information in that image. Incredible. Exactly. Absolutely. And, and yeah, uh, let me jump in here. Okay. The 4K 120 is going to be at 10 bit 422. Along with that, this camera is also packing Canon's infamous dual pixel autofocus, which is brilliant for face detection, eye tracking and keeping your subjects locked in focus while you're shooting and creating your films. Honestly, this camera is seeming like one of the best lightweight systems uh, for people who are into action or sports or just looking for a more affordable Canon cinema yeah, camera. Cinema. If you don't want the hybrid of stills and video and just want a cinema camera, this is definitely the best way to go. You get the you know inputs of a cinema camera with the XLR, mini XLR ports while also getting that slightly smaller size at 2.6 pounds, which is still pretty heavy, but not you know the four plus pounds of most cinema cameras. And you also are getting a bit more of that modern interface and kind of look with the RF lenses and such. So yeah, it looks super exciting. Uh, we'll have to see when it actually ships. Looks like it's December at this I point. Think, yeah, I think it was around November, but it could be pushed back to December depending on availability and when you get your pre-order in. Speaking of 4K 120 frames per second, yeah. we're segueing into our phone segment where we had the Sony Xperia 5 II. Gabe, what do you, like, what do you think of those, those named numbers? I think it's a strange system, doing a number yeah, and then two. the Roman numeral. OnePlus kind of got into this with their whole, because of their just their name is OnePlus. One plus. Yeah. It's happened a lot. Yeah, they got to work on the naming schemes. Sony has not been known for having the best naming schemes. Actually, they've been known for having some of the worst with their headphones. That aside, 
Uh, you may have noticed that Stetson did mention 4K 120 FPS in a phone. Yeah, That's pretty and good. HDR. So and HDR for only this phone goes for nine hundred and ninety five dollars. I'm seeing nine hundred fifty bucks. Fifty bucks. Yeah. Well, that was I was I don't know adding a forty five dollar tax on there for some reason. <laughs> hey, you know in some states that might be true. It might be. Uh, honestly though, the camera was the highlight feature for this phone because curiously, there's no 5G support in the U.S. despite using the newer 865 5G chip. Um, but otherwise, it does kind of look like an interestingly well-rounded package. It's got a 120 hertz refresh rate display. It has that 3.5 millimeter headphone jack, which is becoming increasingly scarce in this market. Um, but besides that, I mean, it looks nice, potentially a little bit expensive considering the competition it's up against. We just had Samsung announce their S20 FE fan edition phone. Um, but yeah, this could be a great option for some individuals. Now, if you are interested in 5G, I think that's where the Samsung S20 FE is coming into play. It's basically a cheaper Galaxy S20. Now, let's just clarify. FE, we haven't seen this before in any device ever. That stands for Fan Edition, okay, guys? Fan Edition. So only the true fans are going to buy this, right? The, I mean, the irony is it's actually a little bit lower quality and lower not really lower yeah. power, but it's just like a lesser well, phone. Well, the, the weird thing is I would have thought a fan edition would be like a more expensive exclusive edition, right? Yeah, that's what I would have thought too. But, but this is kind of like Samsung going, oh, yeah, the S20 was a bit more expensive than we really wanted it to be. Here we are six months later, you know, continuing a lot of the same features, but also uh, putting in some little ways where you can just cut the price and, you know, distinguish it as it being different. From the S20 while still making it slightly competitive. Yeah, so I think this is starting at 700 bucks, which is a much better price point for consumers. And I actually heard Samsung wasn't even thinking of making this phone until around February of this year when the pandemic hit and they realized, oh, wait a minute, like maybe people don't want to be spending over $1,000 on their smartphones. This has three 12 megapixel cameras on the back, ultra wide, wide, and telephoto. It's got a 32 megapixel front facing camera a beautiful, I believe it's a 6.4 inch OLED display on the front. And yeah, overall, it seems like a affordable budget option. Um, but really, I kind of question this because at this point, you can grab an S20 used for around $600. So you can save a hundred bucks. And a lot of the carriers are offering like buy one, get one free for the S20. Like if you port your number or add a new line to your account, you can get a free S20. So I don't know. I think the regular S20 may be the better move in this scenario if you can get it for a deal. But otherwise, the fan edition uh, kind of speaks to Samsung fans who are more on a budget. And I think it is a great option to have. Yeah, that pretty much sums it up there. A lot more colors and a lot more promotion via BTS and stuff like that. So if you're looking at an S20 but didn't want to spring for you know $1,000 and couldn't find a deal, this might be the way to go. Uh, moving on, we have another phone which is very odd and just, just, I mean, this just, almost like doesn't deserve airtime. Just it's talk such a about weird... it just quickly. Just give us what we need to know quickly. Okay, so this is the Royal Flex Pi 2. So this is the second phone. And what this folding phone is, is instead of folding closed like a book, the screen is actually on the outside where the book cover would be. And the previous Royal Flex Pi had horrible problems with the build, the integrity of the hinge, and just the quality of the product. Uh, this one looks, we don't really know, uh, but it, you know, it's just their new attempt at a folding device. Honestly, I don't think it's worth it for anyone at this point, and we should really just move on to the other news we have okay, to cover. Okay, yeah, Stetson, give us your carrier updates right now. Uh, carrier update from AT&T. AT&T launched their unlimited your way plans all this means is you can now mix and match AT&T plans on a family account and still get the multi-line discounts previously yeah. all lines had to be on the same plan um, and that could be more expensive if one line didn't need the most expensive option uh, but now you can mix and match Verizon had this for a while and T-Mobile is now the only carrier where you can't mix and match you still have to have all the lines on the same plan to get that group discount yeah so TLDR if you are an AT&T customer 
and have a multi-line plan, go in and renegotiate your prices because you can probably get a discount now. Yeah, swap the lighter users to the lower tier plans exactly. and uh, keep the premium users at the premium plans. Moving on into something we don't really talk about a lot. We're trying to talk Actually, about- we're talking about it more. More because- But we're still not doing it. We're Yeah, we're not doing it as much as, you know- well, Our friends, yeah. those enthusiasts. Well, we're what, talking about gaming. Is yeah. <laughs> talking about gaming before you get weird ideas in your head. Gaming is something that neither of us are really into from the, I guess the you know the culture We're side like and hobbyists really is what yeah, we are. I mean, we like we the technology. We appreciate the technology that yeah. Next gen is looking sweet, but, but neither of us are gonna get it. Yeah, because I think at the current point, the amount that we both game, and this might resonate with some of our listeners, or some might be saying, "Wow, you guys are insane." Is we don't you know game enough to justify a four hundred to five hundred dollar purchase of a new console? Yeah, and what what are these consoles going for? Like, why aren't we picking them up? I think they're kind of expensive, but we just got the pricing and, and details. Yeah. So, so since our last podcast, we've had the pricing announced, we've had the launch dates announced, and we've actually had the pre order date pass and uh, crazy hectic pre orders ensue. So of course, the PS five went first. Sony put their stake in the sand saying that the you know the PS5 will cost four, uh, $500 when it launches and then it will be $400 for the digital edition and pre-orders went online September 17th and that if you were lucky enough to get one that was very hectic cuz they didn't actually really announce when they were going and all of a sudden pre-orders were just happening on Best Buy and people were running around like crazy going to sites and it was it's madness. Madness. The broke stock loose. was yeah. just like sold out. All of the pre-order systems were yeah. breaking down. People were getting it and then oh, not getting it anymore. It was absolutely crazy. Yeah, I think that people are a little overreacting. I will say, though, as someone who has been freaking out over trying to get their A7S III shipped to them and get it as early as possible, I can understand where they're coming from. They've waited a while for this, and they really want it. The good news is, I will say, if you wait for these new consoles to you know actually you know games to be developed for them that really take advantage of them and such and maybe wait a year year and a half you'll get them for a cheaper price yeah and, and honestly with the release date so ps5 is launching november 12th and xbox series s and x are both launching on november 10th and this happens to be right in the middle of november right before black friday i, I don't think you'll get a deal no they I, they absolutely so they'll do game bundles and things you'll like get that a slight game bundle but they really i well they're gonna package it up so what they're doing is all of the enthusiast fans who want to get it day one sony and, and microsoft are getting all of those people to pay up premium price the premium price for the console yes. black friday is going to hit that's when they have the bundled deals. So they're going to be adding value to the console. Yeah. And that's you when you you're won't gonna... actually get a discount. You'll get value added. So yeah, you'll get yeah. maybe It'll be the Halo or the new Assassin's Creed, the new Call of Duty, et cetera, added in. So yeah, that's potentially one thing to a uh, little consolation prize. If you missed out on the pre-orders, you could potentially get some value added. Let's talk about the Xbox Series X. I said $400 or $500 for the PlayStation 5, $400 for their digital edition. Series X is going to be almost identical, but slightly different with the digital. So the regular Series X is going to be $500. Series S, their digital version. Well, this is this is actually a lower-powered yes. system, too. I think that's it important is. to keep in mind. It is important to keep in mind, but it's still the entry level, right? Yeah, so what is it? It's only $300. And this is, you know, an interesting... Is it going to be better? Because... It's not hundred dollars cheaper. It's hundred dollars cheaper, but it's, it's not, not true next gen. Yeah, right. It's going to be fourteen forty p gaming. I don't know. I think I think it's a smart choice by them because not everyone has TVs or want to take advantage of four K gaming. You know. I think you're absolutely right, and I think the parents going into buy these consoles are going to see the new Xbox, the new design. Yeah. They're going to see it's hundred dollars cheaper than the PS Five, and they're going to be like, yeah, we want that one. And honestly, for most people. The 1440p is going to be just fine for the gaming enthusiasts. Like you already know, you're getting whatever console you want, maybe even both of them. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I think for those parents this holiday season, I think Series S is going to be a big win, especially with Microsoft's monthly, uh, not financing, but monthly options. So with it's game- kind of like they're almost a subscription. They're like that's a great term for it. Two year so- subscription, pay for the console, and also get. Uh, their Game Pass. Yeah, so it's Game Pass Ultimate, 35 bucks a month for Series X, 25 bucks a month for Series S, 
And of course, this includes all of the games available with Game Pass. I think some great value adds for certain people. I think we should move on to Facebook. They had an interesting event where you uh, they announced their Oculus Quest 2. Now, of this course- This kind of, it was almost buried in the barrage of tech news that's been coming out. You know, you had the Xbox Series X and S, the PlayStation 5, and this just completely got lost in there. I actually missed the announcement, and then two days later, I saw someone reviewing it, and I was like, oh, like, that's, that's out? That came out. I think it also surprised people because they weren't expecting it to come out so soon. Yeah, this is one of we those had, products. We had talked to Elena back in, I think, July now yeah. about VR, and she was saying, oh, yeah, that will be coming out maybe the next six months, maybe. Or maybe it's, next year. It sounded more like next year, and then... Boom. I don't think it even leaked that much either. No. And so this was kind of a nice surprise. And what we saw here is basically as a refresher, the Oculus Quest uh, 2, it's basically like a phone and a headset. So um, it's wireless and it includes the Snapdragon XR2 processor, six gigs of RAM and either 64 or 256 gigs of storage. And it has a 2K resolution per eye, which is great. And now has a 90 hertz refresh rate display so some nice improvements it's a standalone headset you don't need any smartphone or any computer to use it though you do have the option to plug in a computer if you want to run more intensive and uh, more realistic games with the headset um, but yeah i think really interesting this is starting at 300 bucks for 64 gigs and 400 bucks for 256 gigs uh, Gabe, what, I mean, is this something you would get? I, we're not really the gaming type here, but I thought they still had some interesting announcements with Oculus Move and Infinite Office well, the, as well. Okay, so the big, I've seen, there's this one review I'll, I'll direct people to, ARS Technica. Uh, they, the title, we do not recommend Oculus Quest as your next VR system. And there's, uh, they made, really, this isn't a huge upgrade over the last version. Basically, they made it cheaper. Was That's the big upgrade. It's, it's not as expensive. But they cut some corners in places that people who have used the previous version are not so happy about. And then there's a the big thing of the fact that you now need a Facebook account to log in to use this device, which I'm not, I personally don't see as a huge issue, but a lot of people really aren't happy with linking, you know, Facebook, a company that sells you tons of ads, uses your data willy nilly. And then linking them to your all your VR experiences. That's so true. And what's interesting to me is with Oculus Move, this is a, sort of a new AR fitness experience, kind of like Apple Watch and Activity Rings, but brought to VR. Facebook could potentially use that data to target you with different fitness products or you know supplement shakes. Tons and tons of opportunity there. Uh, so it is kind of curious that they're kind of mining that data, or so it would appear by logging in with your Facebook account. Um, the other thing though, what did you think about Infinite Office? So this is where it integrates with your real environment. You put the headset on and it projects virtual computer monitors in front of you. And Facebook's actually now working with Logitech to have a physical keyboard brought in to the virtual reality space so you can type and interact. I, It's interesting, but I don't know if that's necessarily better than a physical environment. I mean, I guess, well, you, you don't change it up you don't need the, the space necessarily. I mean, you can have True. a triple monitor setup with just a super clean desk. True. Um, I I would just worry about you know that screen is so close to your eyes. I would like, like what the effects of that are. Yeah, like eye strain and stuff. I, I maybe have to try it out though. I think that's really you know if you haven't tried it out, it's a lot cheaper now, three hundred dollars to get into it. So I guess that's one key benefit. But yeah, definitely look at some of the reviews on there. Uh, comparing this to previous VR systems and hopefully we'll see some other real competitors come out uh, with some new stuff because right now it really seems to be Oculus is just dominating this market right now. Yeah, and I think we had one more bit of gaming news related to one of your favorite headphone yeah, companies. Yeah, this, is, this is hardly gaming news, but Bose did release a gaming variant of their QuietComfort 35 II, which was their old flagship headphone. Basically, I'm guessing they had a lot of them lying around still. Extra inventory. What in do we stock. do with these? Hmm. So they decided, hey, why don't we just uh, repurpose them by adding this kind of mic slash headphone plug-in attachment. Basically, instead of the standard auxiliary cable you plug into the headphones to use them wired, it now has a slightly different shape and has a mic coming out of it. So yeah, you can use now your Bose headset to game with, which I will say they're very comfortable they're headsets. They're absurdly comfortable. Very light, so if you're gaming a lot, it could be more comfortable tech, uh, than you know the more heavier 
kind of beefy gaming headsets that are out there like Turtle Beach and stuff like that. I don't think you're going to be getting like 5.1 or 7.1 surround sound as you can get with some Logitech headsets and yeah. some other options. But honestly, comfort, sound quality. Noise canceling. Noise canceling. Like, And th- $329, it's a little expensive. They're shipping on October 13th. Maybe wait till, again, Black Friday is coming around the corner. We're going to mention that. We should have a counter of how many times we, we tell people to wait till Black Friday. But... It's definitely something, even if not Black Friday, just oftentimes we see tech companies mark up stuff a little bit more on the release. Anticipating the deals. Yeah. Um, But yeah, actually, speaking of Black Friday, the tech products you pretty much exclusively want to get on a deal and discount are going to be the smart home products. This includes Google's Nest line of devices and the brand new line of devices from Amazon. Amazon just hosted their own event. This was interesting because it was only live streamed to tech journalists. It wasn't available to yeah, the public. Yeah, I was really, I was hurt by this a little yeah, bit. Yeah, like, wow, Amazon, ouch. Uh, do you think they did it because they didn't want to be on YouTube? They, they didn't want to be on the YouTube I'm not Google sure. Platform? They, they do have, I think we mentioned it previously on this episode, or maybe not, but Amazon does have their own live video kind of platform. Amazon Live, yeah. Yeah, and it's basically a lot of people talking about products and reviewing stuff or unboxing stuff and trying new things i thought they would push it on that or even on twitch which they own but nope apparently not private event they didn't really want to have to deal with you know curating something and it's it's expensive to put on an event like that so they just decided all right we'll just do it straight to journalists they'll put out the message we want and yeah so we got a bunch of different stuff that they launched let's start with uh you know honestly we were just talking about gaming so let's start with that we have both used Stadia in the past. Yeah, I actually really like the idea of a cloud service. It definitely needs to be flushed out a little bit more, more games, more stuff like that. And it definitely helps if you have fast internet. It's basically need fast internet. But since then, we've also seen uh, you know, cloud gaming offered by Xbox. Yep, this is with their and Game Pass. Isn't there another company that's also offering it? Uh, yeah, there's actually a handful. I think we yeah. talked about I it mean, in more Steam detail. Steam is offering it, I think, now, right? Uh, I think there's just a few different options. Yeah. Like I, we'd have to look into that again, but we talked about it in our gaming. It's becoming more and more. Everyone's jumping into this. Everyone's race. jumping on this bandwagon. So what did Amazon do for so this? Amazon launched Luna. Well, they didn't actually launch it because it's not actually available to uh, actually use. But what it is is their new cloud gaming service. Controller connects directly to AWS. Now, AWS, they mentioned thousands of times during this presentation, according to many of the journalists. And the interesting thing here is AWS stands for Amazon Web Services. And so what is really odd is that, yeah, sure, AWS is cool because Amazon makes it, but anyone can use AWS. It's not like only Amazon can use it. So they tried to really throw around their weight of we are you know, the best cloud uh, computing company in the world, which they definitely have a large market share, but it really, the real clout that they have is that they own Twitch. So that's what's awesome is that it integrates d- directly with Twitch and you can stream really easily to your account. I'm super excited this. about this. I mean, we saw with Google Stadia that they're going to be announcing close integration with YouTube gaming where uh, viewers can see what game you're playing and then click to immediately jump into a gaming session of their own. And I think Amazon really has potential here with that integration with Twitch, which is the largest game streaming platform. uh, By far. By far. I mean, YouTube does have streaming, but we're talking games, live game streaming is on Twitch. Highlight reels and stuff usually end up on YouTube. So this could be really huge for Amazon. What did you think of what they're doing for pricing and the subscription of this? Were you able to... Yeah, I, I saw a little bit about this. Basically what they're doing kind of is doing it like rather than Stadia where you subscribe to, all right, or you know the uh, Xbox Game Pass, where it's like you subscribe and you get access to all these free games, and then you can kind of buy into other games. Well, like, I think or it's, buy it's game different. Libraries. So like- what? No, I'm saying that's what the other ones have done. What Luna is doing is they're doing it kind of like a channel model, like you'd have on cable TV. Like if you sign up for cable, you get certain ones, and then you can. All right, I want ESPN. All right, I want HBO. That's kind of what they're doing here, where you sign up and you get the ones or the games that Amazon has included. And then you can be like, all right, I want to sign up for the Ubisoft channel, which is the only one that's announced uh, currently at this point, third party or, you know, other makers. But, you know, maybe down the road, it's uh, I want, you know, Activision or I want to sign up for EA's ones, which which EA would seem an easy one because they already have their own 
you know, gaming pass subscription thing. How yeah, you know. and I'm curious, like, how easy or challenging it is for developers to support this new platform. Yeah. Uh, but yeah, so I think it's kind of, it's a different model. And what do you think of the different models? So we have Microsoft doing, hey, you pay this amount monthly, you get access to all of our titles. And we have Stadia doing, hey, you get access to, or you can stream for, for free, you have to pay per game, and then you pay to up the quality. And then you have Amazon doing, hey, everything's going to stream at the same quality and you subscribe to different channels based on what games you want. I think uh, Stadia's, I personally like theirs or Xbox's and Microsoft's the best. Stadia actually, if you think about it, kind of most closely resembles an actual gaming console experience because you pay for the Stadia hardware and then you can essentially just use it. Yeah. Right. If you, you or or you buy you a want. game and yeah. you, you, you play that game, you buy another game, you play that game. And then it's like, oh, if you want to upgrade to a get discounts on games, get free games, you sign up for the Stadia. What do they call it? Plus or premium? Uh, it's Stadia Pro. Pro, okay. And then you can also get the higher resolutions as well. But that's, I mean, I feel like that model more uh, closely resembles a traditional console. You go buy the disc, put it in stuff. I do, however, really like the Microsoft one where you just get access to everything. Yeah, I like that too because you can try out a bunch of different titles, yep. see what kind of games you like, what you're into, and then from there be like, all right, I really want to purchase this and own it. Or you just like pay for it for a couple months when you have extra time to game, maybe during a holiday and then you jump off the subscription. Or you just don't buy any games ever and just subscribe. Just subscribe. I mean, the cost of a subscription is like two or three AAA games basically, yeah. so... That's kind of a big win. And I think Amazon's doing something interesting. Pricing is $6 a month for the Amazon subscription, what they're going to be including, streaming up to 1080p at 60 frames per second with 4K coming soon. You can stream it up to two devices at a time. And most interestingly is this is designed to work with Safari on iPhone and iPad, something Google Stadia has not yet achieved. Um, and the reason Google, or excuse me, the reason Amazon is able to do this is they worked with the Safari team to make a uh, progressive web app. It's called the PWA. And that is what's going to be powering this streaming experience on the Apple devices. Uh, we have no pricing for Ubisoft yet. And this is an invite-only system. And yeah, so get, go to Amazon, put your email and info in, and see if you can get a you know invite to sign up fifty dollars for the controller yeah i think that safari web app we're gonna have to see how that turns out it sounds janky to me you know it's but all they have to do is stream the video feed right so I, it's like, I know i know that's all they have to do don't patronize me but i just think you know an app experience is so much nicer than using safari i i guess yeah. i've had i've had a good experience using a couple progressive it's, web apps it's good i've i've actually when i was back in school we were working on a app coded in safari right like making a website essentially that was just an app yeah, it feels like an app but, but people it's, don't it's, know to do that like and it's always just this a slight like you're still in safari yeah right you can't get around that fact so i i, I do think it's a good workaround to the fact that up till now apple is not and still apple is not letting any really game or yeah and apps app kind of app stores which is what this service is into their app store right and it's not in the app store so yeah. amazon can charge full price no problem exactly and so, they're not going to run into the yeah whole... this will be exciting uh well no clue when it will actually launch but this is definitely something that i think we'll see the light of day uh and we'll eventually get you know full launch to everyone there's going to be a full comparison whenever all Oh, and there will Platforms be, if you watch Twitch, around. prepare to see an inundation of ads on this. Oh my gosh, Amazon's going to have you oh, locked down. It's going to go insane. Okay, we spent a Speaking lot of, of time. of yeah. stuff that, that won't, we might not ever see the light of day. Let's talk about this thing first. It was really exciting for me as a drone lover. The Ring Always Home Cam. Yeah, what, what even is this? You described it to me and I couldn't believe it. Well, for one, this, don't get too excited about this because... We ha didn't even see a demo of it. There was no, you know, real video of it actually working or real product uh, displayed. It seems like it might actually see the light of day because all the technology is out there. Like there's drones that can fly. You can easily land a drone on a base. It it, it seems easy. Basically, what it is is it's this little box with this kind of weird drone that has like a. It almost looks like a T kind of. It has a little part that sticks down and then enclosed propellers. Uh, it's a camera though. And so when you're away and you're like, oh, well, let me check on that room, you can have it go patrol your house and it will take off, fly around, 
uh, and then come land back at its base and then you can see that video of all the different rooms. So if you only have well, then essentially one camera and you can see a bunch of different rooms and stuff. I, I think it's an interesting idea. It does seem a little bit like we're getting into that future where we're just gonna have drones flying around and you know, yeah, it's little, like little kind scary, of scary, but I, I think it's kind of cool. It's, it's a little bit like, why haven't we seen this up until now? I think it was presented in a very clever way too, because you know, all of a sudden you have this flying camera in your home with video streaming to Amazon and Amazon presented it as privacy you can hear because drones yeah. are actually quite loud. It's going to be a very obnoxious buzzing sound yeah. to any person who happens to be in the home at this time. Um, but yeah, so you can't actually control the drone. It's no. going to be going on predetermined flight paths. This helps ensure that no one could hack it and take control of it and fly it around your house, things like that. I mean, it's curious. Would you get one? Who is this for? For, for $250, no, I probably wouldn't get one. It's really just a glorified toy, I think, at that point. Like, you're much better just getting a bunch of different security cameras, putting it up from Ring, Nest, whatever. And yeah, that's that's the long term of that. We'll wait and see if we see it, honestly. But let's get to stuff we can actually start ordering. Uh, let's get to the main, really, meat of it. The Amazon Echoes. That is their... Echo, Echo. Echo, yeah. Hopefully we don't have too much Echo in this room. More reverb, honestly, which that'll be their next product next year. But the Amazon Echo, uh, they've, I think we're on, I don't even know what generation now, but it's kind of, you know. You'll know it's the new one because they redesigned it. That's all that matters. What do you think of the redesign? So it's a, for those of you who haven't seen it, it's a spherical design and the playful, colorful hue, that blue circle that's typically been on the top of the Echo devices is now moved to the bottom. Yeah. So what, what do you I think of this? Hate it. The, you don't like this snow globe kind of look? I hate it. It's ugly and it just looks awful. I'm looking at my <laughs> current Amazon Echo and it's a much better design. It smaller footprint takes up less space and doesn't just so much surface area facing up on the other ones. I don't I don't like it. I'm sorry. I know that they were like in their you know evil lair they're like all right what do we do to make people buy this and you know to make people go oh you have the old amazon echo and then you feel bad and you have to go buy the new amazon are echo. people gonna do that though like i feel that's a phone thing like you know instantly what phone someone has like all right you can kind of they didn't get the new one this year like I, they're on I, the old one i think but it's more echoes? of a, i think it's more of a subtle thing where you know, you'll start going to people's houses and you'll start seeing the new Echo and you'll just subtly go, oh, that's the new oh, Echo. Maybe I should get that because they're cool and they this have... Is, this is the Amazon family. Yeah. You'll know. Anyways, so new design on all the different Echoes. They do have the regular Amazon Echo, obviously. Uh, that's going to be coming for $100 uh, shipping. I think that it's mid-October is what it said. I, yeah, I, I had later this yeah, year. I think that one was shipping mid-October. The Echo Dot also got a spherical design. You have one, that's the regular one, kind of like they've had all along, $50. You have now another one that is using the clock version, which is kind of just... I think it literally is the same, but it just has a clock that... Numeric display, yeah. Numeric display of the time. Could be helpful. I really like that. And that is kind of they introduced earlier this year. That's getting the, the ball makeover. That's going to be $60, as well as the Echo Dot Kids, which I really like this edition. It's very cute little panda and a tiger painted on the spherical uh, shape of the Echo Dot. That's going to be $60 as well. And I can imagine a lot of parents picking those up for themselves, even though it's mainly that it supports it's you know, a cute design. features you know, for kids like story time and uh, parental controls and stuff like it's that. It's into uh, different kind of house aesthetics yeah. and designs. Now, the other thing we did get was an Echo Show, which... This looked actually cool. This also kind of got the ball makeover, right? I think with the base. Yeah, so it kind of looks like a super old school iMac. It's got a spherical domed base and it has a display on it. And what's unique about this is it will actually swivel. It's a 10 inch display. It will swivel now, the display to face you. Is this actually you. unique or is this basically just a better version or a slightly better version? I still think it needs some work. Slightly better version of the Facebook portal. This is unique because the portal... I think the, the camera had a wide angle lens yeah. that would crop in and follow you. This will physically pivot and rotate Maybe, the yeah, device you might, you might be right. to follow your exact location. The way it's doing this is it's using the 13 megapixel camera to recognize a human shape and then point the device in that direction. And Amazon was pretty clear like after that uh, the image has been processed, 
the information and data is deleted. Like they don't they don't want to see your personal info. Yeah, I just I mean, yeah, that's that's great, Amazon. Like, cool. Thanks for reassuring us you're not spying on us because we're all worried about it that you are, and we know that you are in some ways, but here you're gonna put out publicly, we're not spying on you in this way. You know, we're not using your information in this way, even though sure. you know, basically what it is is they are using their our information in so many ways. So they don't want to anger us anymore because they like the deal they're getting right now. They're getting all our personal data from the browsing, our shopping history, and et cetera. And as long as, all right, we don't need to expand how much more information we're getting from them. Let's just start getting more products in their house because secretly what they, you don't realize is they're collecting so much data anyways from an Echo Show if you have it. They're collecting, you know, what you're browsing, what, you, what recipes you get, all these different things. Sorry, that's a uh, slight... Gabe's going on a tangent. Diverge. He's like, they're stalking me. Yeah. Meanwhile, he's the one who owns two Amazon devices. Three Amazon devices, Three Amazon please. devices. Sorry. Uh, but would you pick this one up? It now supports video calling for Zoom and Netflix, and it's coming in at 250 bucks. So no, kind I, of expensive. Yeah, it's a little expensive. It is a 10-inch display, which is nice. It's You can actually, I think Disney Plus I saw might have been coming to... And echoes Gee, yeah i want to use my sh- echo show to watch tv I mean. it's it's a nice thing potentially to you know if you're most people have these honestly let's get real most people have these in their kitchen use them for it's like for cooking looking like, up recipes yeah that's the but also one. watching you know a tv show while you're cooking that's kind of cool i get i mean i would get distracted I, and anyways i wouldn't get this be- and i wouldn't honestly get really a smart uh home speaker with a screen at this point because currently oh. the reason why i like and I've, i think i've said this before is that smart home speakers, you know, allow you to interact with your technology without looking at a screen, which is something I'm trying to get away from as much as possible because my job involves me looking at a screen, you know, social media, looking at a screen. I'm looking at a screen 13 plus hours a day anyways, or whatever. Did you get your screen time notification? Yeah, I don't even, that was depressing. (laughs) These shots. (laughs) And so I really like the ability to ask an Amazon Echo or Google Home or those are really the only two now. The HomePod <laughs> has kind of gone defunct. But, you know, any smart speaker to do something, to set a timer, to do this without me having to go into my screened devices and potentially get drawn in and five, you know, t- to 30 minutes later, I'm like, oh, that was what I meant to do. Sure. You know? Actually, I think there's a flip side to this. Okay. And the flip side is sometimes you'll ask a question yep. and you'll get a list response like restaurants near True. me or something. And it's really helpful to be like, all right, you're not going to remember what this assistant is saying to you. Mm-hmm. So it's nice to just, boom, glanceable list. You can interact, scroll through it. And the other big thing is specifically with the Google Nest Home device, yes. or, um, they have the display and it will integrate with Google Photos to show you fun pictures of your kids. And of course, Google has your, developed- Your kids? Well, I, I guess that was kind of a generalized statement, yeah. but your photos, like your memories, your moments, and it will highlight the best photos in your album's Amazon isn't doing that with the Echo Show, so they don't have that, but Google has that. And I think just being able to see your photos in this cool device really makes it more meaningful and more impactful. So I, I mean, think, I guess, but... I think for some people, it's really excellent having that display uh, specifically I on the Google device. I don't, I don't know, know if I would you're, get the you're, show. You're in the Google ecosystem. I'm in you more know, of the I Amazon ecosystem. I think that both have their pros, and like the Amazon, for example, shopping is going to be way better on it because you're using right in the Amazon store versus the Google store. Is that even in I'd, existence? I actually don't do shopping with yeah. my, you trust that? You're like, yeah, well, let me just well, get my groceries. I wouldn't buy it sight unseen audio wise, but if there's a screen and it can pop up a couple options, I can tap one or just say, oh yeah, that one right there, that works better. I do get what you're saying. The visual interface is nice. And maybe that's also, even though it's a screen, it's a way that I don't get sucked in, right? Because there's only, oh, it's only giving me a list yeah of, there's no like apps like you're not yeah. like gonna suddenly jump on twitter like you're gonna get the information you need mm-hmm. dip in and then get out and it's just See, like what a, i really want though is like a hologram all right that pops up a screen above so the, no screen when you don't need it screen when you yeah, need it exactly so it doesn't draw me in anyways yeah that was the echo lineup we also did see because you know they uh own a bunch of different companies now we mentioned ring they did the Ring, you know, Always Home Cam. That was kind of their future product. Tease this. We'll get a bunch of press. They also that's, that's had, the drone. Yeah, that's the, the drone. Sorry. Yeah. Yeah. That's not. They didn't even call that. Put drone in the name. I think that was interesting. Yeah, I didn't like you said that, and I was like, what? What was that? And then I had to read our description. So that is the drone, and we also had the Ring Car Alarm and the Ring Car Cam. Yeah, and these are basically you know working with your car to 
Well, interestingly, now Amazon Sidewalk is something I never. Yeah, even, what what do you think about this? I never even remembered them announcing last year, and supposedly they did, and now it's a real thing in all of their Ring devices, which is basically it's kind of like the tiles. Remember those? Yeah. So it's creating Amazon is building this technology into all of the devices they've been shipping. I believe last year and this year and going forward. And it's going to be able to allow Amazon to create a mesh network that they're calling Amazon Sidewalk. This has similar connectivity ability, similar to, I want to say, Bluetooth. I think they're using like the 900 megahertz spectrum. And this will allow their security devices to communicate and share data about which location they're at and communicate. Well, it's not, don't think of it as sharing data. It's basically, it will allow their their security devices to create a network that data can be shared. Sure, However, yeah. they're never actually really communicating to each other. It's more just passing along information. Right, right. So and that eventually it can make it onto a device that's internet connected potentially. And then, you know, what it can be used for is like the tile devices, for example, say you need to find something, you can find it, say, you're getting like this with this ring car alarm, your car gets broken into or, you know, something happens to it. Boom. That even though you're that device isn't actually itself connected to the Internet using Amazon sidewalk, boom, it reaches out to an echo in a nearby apartment or whatever. And that, you know, goes through on online and then you get it's, a notification. It sends you the notification. Yeah, yeah it's, so. it's a very interesting thing. And the people who are probably sad about this are all the. You know, I've seen those ads at Verizon for what do they call it? The oh my god, I don't even. It's like the Verizon uh, Hum. hum yeah, device. I think it's the, the Hum. But basically, the devices you put in your cars and it tracks the car and like speed. And they're and so ex- the stuff. device is expensive. Well, the and device then you add it to your plan. Yeah, it's, it's, and it's the like, plan that's expensive. It's like thirty bucks a month or so. I mean, I don't know the specific number, yeah. but you're just tacking on another add-on to your Verizon plan. And everything on the market right now has been super medium, super stale, super stagnant. Just like Let's rack up these subscription costs to our users. I think this is going to be a really interesting alternative, but it's also all or nothing. Like if Amazon can't build out Amazon Sidewalk, this won't work. Don't put it. Don't. That's not even a question. Just like yep, yep. It'll be built out. Don't worry. Amazon devices are so ubiquitous at this point. All they have to do is just like flick a switch, and it's it's lit up. It's lit up. The other thing they did announce, which I'm not even really going to talk about that long. Uh, By the way, Ring Car Alarm, sixty dollars. Ring car cam was the other one for uh, Ring, and that is a camera that you put in your car. You can tell it to start recording a traffic stop, or yeah, it's two hundred dollars. It's launching in twenty twenty one. We'll hear more about it then. Uh, it's honestly no, I don't like it. You don't like Let's it. Let's move on. Uh, the other uh, company that they own and have bought is Eero, which makes Wi Fi routers, right? Yes, that is correct. And so yeah, we got new Wi Fi routers. Finally, we got. Wi-Fi six very slow to uptake Wi-Fi six, yeah, but I'm curious. Hey, it's it's finally here, and you know I think that these these are kind of semi-affordable routers. Yeah, so there's two. Yeah, we have the Euro six and the Euro six Pro. Depending on what people need, you can you know Euro six less speed. You know if you don't have fast internet. Anyways. Yeah, I think I think the Verge was saying the threshold is if you have gigabit home internet which we're lucky enough to have in our apartment uh yes get the pro if you do not have gigabit home internet then you're going to be fine with the euro 6 like you won't really notice that difference so yeah and they're you know mesh wi-fi routers the really thing that i thought was nice about these as uh i've worked with the netgear mesh networks their orbeez and the really annoying thing there is they're not backwards compatible and if they are it will downgrade your whole system so say you had an old orby network you bring in the new one. Oh, cool! Yeah, you can use that new router and and but satellite. it's capped at the old. But it will cap it at the old one. The great thing with these new, uh, the ones from Eero, is that say you have an already existing Eero network, you could bring in just one of their new ones that support the Wi-Fi six standard standard, and maybe put that in the place where you're most like often congregating or you most often have the most devices, and those will probably link to that one and then be able to use and utilize that new Wi-Fi 6 standard. Exactly. So the new devices that have the new Wi-Fi 6 standard that are connected to the new Wi-Fi 6 compatible Euro will use that technology. Um, And they also updated kind of their mesh network for the newer routers if you have them. But of course, everything is backwards compatible. I think that was it for Euro. We had some slight updates to 
the smart assistant that Amazon makes. And I will refrain from using its name for this episode, yeah. but it can now learn better, listen better, and respond better. And did you hear about the join the conversation? Yeah, I, I saw this little demo and heard about it. I I think it's interesting. I'll, I'll we'll have to try it out. But basically, it's like it can you know I could be asking you, hey, you want you want to order pizza, and then or that was the example they used. But it, hey, we want to go to the movies. Yeah, okay. What movies are playing? You know. Ask then, the like, smart speaker. Yeah, yeah. And then, and what, then, all right, show us show times for that. What do you want to see? So it can add the assistant to the conversation, and it will intelligently determine if you're talking to it, the assistant, or kind of having having a small conversation, side conversation, yeah, amongst yourselves before then going back to it. And really, we just have to see how this pans out. I mean, this is either going to be a huge win or just like a awkward interaction. It causes more delays. We'll have to wait and well, see. We feel like eventually there. This is inevitable that it will. You know, the smart speakers are going to develop, so they're basically the dream. just like another human being in the room, essentially, as far as like how they can integrate in the conversation and such. But that's who. How long that is, you know, it's gonna. We're gonna have to wait and see. Last one we kind of skipped over. There's no way to easily fit this in. No nice transition. But Fire TV, uh, we got a new update interface update. Interestingly, we will be seeing Google with their event launch a new. Google TV type thing next week. So it'll be interesting to compare those. Anyways, Fire uh, TV Stick, $40. Fire TV Stick Lite, $30. So now you can get into that, which is honestly, yeah. it's the interesting thing. It's only $10 difference. So I feel like most people are just going to go, all right, cool. I'll go with that $40. Absolutely. And I think what's cool about this is it now supports Zoom. So you can actually plug this stick into your TV and all of a sudden have your Zoom meetings on the big screen. I think that's great. It supports multiple user profiles, picture in picture, and is overall just an affordable way to bring your TV to the next yeah, level. Yeah, I would still, Amazon. I mean, I would still probably go Google TV or- Chromecast, you mean? Chromecast, yeah, Chromecast, whatever. Or uh, Apple TV, potentially. But, you know, if you have an all Amazon Echo house, you know, Echo show, this is another way to integrate into that uh, on your TV. And really, they're all kind of the same. Yeah, they all have Netflix, Hulu, et cetera. Very similar. You're getting yep. all the services you love. It's just a different experience. And I would kind of recommend building out your home to either be one assistant or the other so everything plays nicely together. Yeah. Uh, we had two bits of quick Well, that was, that was pretty much it for like the new products that were released. So let's talk about what's coming up next, actually. Okay. And what like what's are we expecting in the next... You know, We're doing this podcast every two weeks. So in Techtober and Techtember... We're missing, you know, it's, a lot of stuff is happening in between episodes. So we got a lot of stuff to look forward to. Uh, one thing we might not have by the time we're here next episode is we might not have TikTok. Uh, that still is kind of up in the air of what the fate of that, you know, very popular social network uh, is going to be. We had ByteDance decide to go with Oracle, which is notably owned by a very pro-Trump uh, person or run by a pro-Trump CEO. And yeah, that's going to be their partner or tech partner, and they're going to handle that. I don't, the deal is yet to be fleshed out, and we're yet to even see if it's going to be accepted by both China and the US. So it's really up in the air, honestly, and we'll see uh, where that goes in the future. But yeah, the other big news, not big news, but something I stumbled upon is a new social network called Telepath, and it's kind of com combining Twitter and Reddit. So you have to use your real name. And it's creating communities of people discussing certain topics. And there are very specific guidelines, kind of like the subreddit rules um, on how you interact, how you have conversations. And I think it's just trying to foster uh, sort of better, uh, more interesting conversations online in different communities around different topics. Yeah. It's currently in beta. I've signed up. If will you're be, interested will in be that, launched by the next episode. Definitely not. Definitely okay. not. Oh, dang it. It's just a it's a startup with an interesting new idea. Oh, that's what I was hoping it would be launched because this is what's coming up next. So this is that was future next, way in the distant future. What will be happening by the next episode is we got a bunch of new product launches that are actually on the books. We have Aperture finally announcing for the third time <laughs> the B7C. We're not counting or anything. The B7C Smart Light, which is Stetson's, you know, I don't know. It, now it's it, it was once your dream. Now it's like you're kind of over it almost. It's like you are infatuated with it and it's kind of gone stale. I was so a hyped bit. last year. Yeah. And yeah, now, I mean, now it still looks very exciting. It'll be $70. 
It's launching on the 29th of September at around noon on Facebook and YouTube. They'll do a live stream. Tune in definitely to that. Ted, who I think is, I don't know if he, who he is in the company-wise, but he's very engaging and very good on camera, so I definitely recommend their live streams. Uh, the day after that, on, on sorry, not October 30th. You put down the wrong date. September 30th, I think, right? Uh, yes. Yes, that would be Jeez. correct. Uh, we'll have Google launching three new devices. There, well, kind of three new devices. The Pixel new devices, which is going to be the Pixel, Pixel 5, 5 and Pixel 4a 5G. Uh, their new Nest Home speaker and then the new Chromecast devices, which I'm very excited about. Finally putting in that real UI like Apple TV, which I've I've said many times they're sorely missing because when I was using the Chromecast Pro or Ultra, whatever it is, with Stadia, I kept wanting like a home it's just like a home display to go to back grow to, to, but it's yeah. like, no, there's no home. You're just chucked into the abyss of just like photo slideshows or turning it off. That's they're so it. pretty, though. They are pretty. I'll give it that. Uh, we also do have OnePlus actually putting a date on there for their uh, 8T, the new device they're going to be launching this year, or the second new device right they'll be launching this year and that will be october 14th and then uh you may be noticing that there is another big company who we haven't heard about since their bonus episode event or worthy event that we had back in september and that is apple of course yeah so our favorite the one and only uh they unfortunately haven't actually put an official date on the books but we do have some pretty strong leads from people on twitter i think yeah so we're leading towards October 13th for the keynote. Yep. Pre-orders on the 16th and the new devices shipping out and arriving. Wait, I just want to interject quickly. Didn't this happen last year where Apple had an event and then OnePlus was like the day after They as had well? to move. Yeah, OnePlus moved. But they were still like right after and I wonder if that's going to happen again this year because... Well, OnePlus is on a different day, so... The 14th, but it's still the, right the day after. It's yeah, gonna, yeah, it'll be fine. Uh, but they're still going to be so overshadowed because... What we're having here, it looks like, is going to be, of course, iPhone 12, iPhone 12 Pro, iPhone 12 Pro Max. Uh, when they'll actually go on sale, that's kind of still up in the air. It looks like the Pros might be later and the 12 soon after. And then, uh, interestingly, we're going to see the first over-the-ear headphones under Apple's branding, like the AirPods branding. Yeah, so AirPods Studio uh, kind of taking place of the Beats Studio headphones and potentially AirTags, the location tracking devices uh, for your car keys and things like that. Overall, we have a really exciting October lined up in front of us and honestly just an exciting next week. And I'm yeah, sure and my A7S3 will finally be arriving before the Aperture B7Cs arrive. Oh, we had such a what if I can get like 2-day shipping on this thing? And Hey, maybe maybe that happens then. Yeah, but it, right now it right here. now it looks like uh if you've been a long-time listener to the podcast We've been debating who's going to be getting, you know, that next gen product that they've been holding out for, and right now it looks like my Sony A7S III magically oh has appeared. Aperture, let me down. La- last inning to me, save the day. Let me just rehash this. Last year, Aperture announced their light, and they said coming this summer. I was like, super. It'll come like way before. Yeah, that was last. We didn't even that was have 2019 a, spring, wasn't it? Or yeah, so. 2019 or like winter. Winter, yes. And they were like coming, coming this summer. And great. All right, whatever. Summer comes and goes, doesn't come out. Then Gabe and I have this running joke. All right, who's going to be first? Yeah. The A7S3 or these lights? And uh, it just got pushed back. Aperture announced the night the lights again, again. in May. And and yeah, so I and think said it's coming this summer. And then summer came and went. And we got the A7S3 then. And that's when the A- Sony jumped into hard. the lead, came out of nowhere, and shipping date launched in September 24th. And it's now shipped. Uh, mine has shipped. It is now en route. Yeah, and, we'll and to, be, to be fair, people have that in their hands. So yeah. I think, Gabe, you absolutely win. The question um, here, though, honestly, to end this episode with is, will we see them actually announcing a shipping date and on-sale date? It looks like we will because they yeah, already have their website. It's on the website. You the can product. get all the details. There's like a buy now button, but it's grayed out. Yeah. And it's like not So I think, I think it will be kind of, we're launching this now. You can buy it immediately type thing, which is... That's the best. Maybe you will actually get yours first, but I think, and it's also funny how close they've fallen together. Yeah, these two and products. honestly, the only thing in my favor is yep. we just moved and you had shipped the camera to, to my old, old address, so yeah. that has to get shipped to our new address. That could be the saving grace. It could be a, there could be like a little bit of an asterisk on this one, folks, but yeah, that's it for this episode. We might 
maybe we'll do a bonus episode if we get enough news this week but we'll probably be back in two weeks for our regularly scheduled though overrun with tech events type episode but yeah that's pretty much it honestly i love it yeah Yeah. thank you all so much for listening i'm stetson i'm gabe we look forward to talking to you in the next episode follow us at pinch to zoom pod on twitter at pinch to zoom podcast on instagram and leave us a rating in apple podcast if you enjoyed the show that's gonna be it thank you so much for listening we'll talk to you next time if you're at all an apple user at all even just the phones get the apple tv so I guess that's what we're picking up. I wonder up. if we will see that refreshed at all at the October event. I want them to make a TV. Like imagine a pro display Jeez. XDR, but like 65 inches and a TV. That would be awesome. That's in- insane. What do you, you want them to make a drone $20,000 And a TV. car, an Apple car too. Get off and go to your fanboy corner. Okay, jeez, kidding.